Geek Exploration, the podcast where we seek out new topics and conversations. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. Take your protein pills, put your helmets on. We're talking space. So John, space. This is the. Uh, I know this topic has been kind of vexing you a bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's it's kind of big. Yeah, yeah it can be a bit overwhelming, I guess. So so we're we're trying a new setup here where we removed the blanket that's in between us. So it's weird. I'm actually looking at John the whole time now. I know. I'm gonna be trying not to look at you because yeah. I don't want to laugh and I don't want to make you laugh. Yeah. Uh, so if the sound quality is any worse than normal, that's why. Yeah. The, so, if anything, there may be a little more echo. There's a little less, a uh, little less of a dampening divider between the two of us. So we may just pick up a little more in each other's mics. Um, if that happens, apologies. If not, apology rescinded. Yeah. Then eat it. Uh, we know what we're doing. Well, like you said, uh, or like like I said, and then you said, we're talking about a very big topic. We're talking space. So just to you know, give a little little info, little factoids that I cold from the internet because I am certainly not the most scientifically inclined. I'm more likely to get my space knowledge in quotes from movies and cartoons and fictional stories. Well, movies almost always get space, right? I mean, they very rarely mess it up. Fair enough. Neil deGrasse Tyson loves it. Yeah. Hey, he was in Man of Steel, so they, yeah. they must know a thing or two about space. He popped up in there. He he, he gave it a, his endorsement. Well, that's something, because, yeah, he's usually tweeting things about movies, saying why this minor item was not scientifically viable. Yeah, wasn't he... Uh, I thought I heard he was a he was a, an advisor on Interstellar. Is is that true? Can you... Maybe, I thought... Back that up at all? Um, I don't know. I like the guy, in general. Uh, he seems like a smart dude. And yeah, he's, he's cute. Fairly personal and all that. Personally, he wears like fun vests and shit. Oh, really? Fucking nerd. Oh, he's a total nerd. But uh, but he seems a little pedantic and critical when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I, I have a feeling anyone who hired him as a science advisor, though appreciating his vast knowledge, would not so much appreciate how nitpicky he would be. Yeah, I wonder if he could rein it in. Or if he's just always like... I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I know I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you apparently don't seem to know that I am Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you're pulling this shit, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, if when you hire the guy to tell you everything you're doing wrong, he does that when you didn't pay him anything. So if uh, if you're hiring him for that, I got a feeling he's he's going to let you know where your holes are. Well, uh, some factoids here that hopefully Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't listen to and get mad at me. Uh, oh, I hope about. he does. I'd love to get some tweets from Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> telling him telling us we're stupid. Yeah. He'd say stay off Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> well, space is uh, is known as a the near vacuum between celestial bodies. Oh. I'm I'm actually reading this quote uh, quote from a source. So I won't I won't it's try good to you said near vacuum because if you said vacuum, Mr. Tyson yeah, might be upset. Yeah. It is where everything, all the planets, stars, galaxies, and other objects is found. <laughs> There's that Wikipedia grammar. Well, it makes sense once, it, once you take into account that uh, all of the planets, stars, galaxies, and other objects is, is in parentheticals. You know, so, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah so it, it, but it made me pause. So on Earth, space begins at the Kármán line, which is 100 kilometers 
above sea level. This is where the Earth's atmosphere is said to stop and outer space begins. This is not a natural boundary, but is a convention used by scientists and diplomats. Which which is shockingly not that far away. Like 100 kilometers, it's like about 60 miles. Is that what it is? So, is that the conversion? Yeah, it's about 60 miles. It's not exactly, but it's really close. Yeah. Uh, so you could drive there in an hour if you could drive straight up. Yeah, I remember being kids and somebody telling me that space was only like four miles up. I was like, oh, really? Like, that's pretty wild. I guess that makes sense. That's several thousand feet. So what do I know? No, it's it's further up than that. Yeah, considerably. Yeah, but it's still 60 miles, not that far. Like, that is it just, that's not a big distance for most, you know, for, as far as land travel goes. So it's, yeah. you go up that high and you are effectively in space. Uh, you can't go anywhere near that high and still live. No. Like, the air gets too thin and too cold a heck of a lot further up you know closer to the earth than that yeah yeah you got to be in a rocket with lots of layers and uh moving very very fast well yeah like airplanes fly right around four miles it's like thirty thousand. Oh feet. yeah oh okay and i guess technically it would be thirty-one thousand something or other thirty-one thousand. is that the conversion of feet to miles i it's, i'm way off i don't pay attention at all i think it's 5280 feet in a mile really wow okay i don't even I believe that's correct. Hey, well, if you want to let Ben know that he's incorrect or correct, you can email us at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. So after you pass that line into uh, or out of the Earth's atmosphere and into space, you've got several categories of space. You've got geospace, which is the region of outer space near Earth. Geospace includes the upper region of the atmosphere and the magnetosphere. That's a fun one. Yeah. The Van Allen radiation belt lies within the geospace. The space inside the magnetosphere is protected from radiation from the sun. It has a low level of electrically charged particles. See, you thought you weren't going to learn anything. <laughs> Next, you have interplanetary space. It's the space around the sun and planets of the solar system. It has a solar wind, a continuous stream of charged particles from the sun. The stream creates a very thin atmosphere, the heliosphere, for billions of miles into space. I bet you knew that, didn't you? Well, yeah, because yeah, the, the, the sun is blasting us with solar rays and the solar winds and all kinds of stuff constantly. And the only reason that we're able to keep an atmosphere around the Earth and not get roasted is because of the magnetic field. Like, if it, like Mars lost its magnetic field. That's why Mars fucking sucks now. Because it, it has a very, very weak magnetic field. In any case, it, basically its atmosphere just got blown away into space. And that's why there aren't people living there anymore. That's why there's, yeah, that's why all the Martians are dead. Yeah. Next, we have interstellar space. It's the physical space within a galaxy not occupied by stars or their planetary systems. It continues to the edges of the galaxy where it fades into the intergalactic void. This is riveting. <laughs> and finally, we have intergalactic space. Um, it does have cosmic voids between the large scale structures of the universe. Oh, I re speaking of voids, there's a, I can't remember what it's called. Um, maybe I should look it up real quick. I thought they called, they named it something. Everyone here is just calling it the super void. The super void. I guess it's still a pretty rad name. So is that our new band name? Yeah, the super void. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like there is a, they discovered a, just a giant empty patch of space that's like abnormally empty. Like the known visible universe is fairly evenly distributed mm -hmm. um it, you know it's got definitely some areas of lower density and areas of higher density but this is like a 
as far as they can tell, it's near empty and it is like 1.8 billion light years across. So it's kind of big. Yeah. It's like the size of space that would generally hold like 10,000 galaxies and instead has zero. So it's kind of awkwardly large and they're not sure what would have caused something like that to be that empty. Cause you know, as the universe expands, it, it'll all be that sparse eventually, but we'll be so incredibly dead by then. It won't matter. Well, speak for yourself. So just to put a little capper on it, we gain most of our inspiration around the items in space from different kinds of telescopes. Some are space telescopes put in outer space for a better view. Space probes also explore planets, comets, and other space objects that are not too far. Ugh. Gross. That was a gross segment. That was gross. Yeah, we can edit it down to something less gross. Here's hoping. I mean, I guess on the history, speaking of telescopes, Copernicus was that, what, Nicholas Copernicus? I think it was Nicholas Copernicus. I have no idea. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it was Nicholas Copernicus. It was indeed Nicholas Copernicus. All right, there we go. Which is weird because I always had it in my head that Copernicus was somebody very much older than naming conventions like... Like Nicholas? Yeah, Nicholas, first name, Copernicus, last name. Like I thought he was more like a, like an ancient philosopher or something. No, that was... Uh, no, that was... Uh, <laughs> no, he was from... Um, 1500s, so it'd be the 16th century. Are you sure you want to you want to tack your uh, your name to that? Well, I think he was born 14 something, but he did all the important shit in 15 something. Look at you, 1473 to 1543. Yeah, well so, done. Yeah, so he was like 27. He didn't do dick bef- during the 15th century. It was all in the 16th century. Yeah, he was. Uh, he wasn't German because Germany didn't exist. So Prussian. You got the phone there. Was he was he Prussian? Yep. Royal Prussia, Kingdom of Poland. Were Poland and Prussia the same thing? I guess uh, they. I guess like that whole space, that whole area was yeah, Prussia. He, like he Prussia was, was huge. He was born Royal Prussia, Kingdom of Poland. He died same area. Prince Bishopric of Warmia, Royal Ooh. Prussia, Kingdom of Poland. Well, anyway, Copernicus was the dude that first said, "Hey, you know, hey." The sun doesn't rotate around the earth. The earth rotates around the sun, I'm pretty sure. I've been watching the sky, and it doesn't make any sense that everything goes around us. And uh, the weird thing is, it wasn't really that controversial when he said that. Oh, really? Like, a lot of people just said, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. And it wasn't until, like, 60 years later when the, I guess, news travels slowly, the Pope heard about it, and uh, didn't think that was cool at all. And uh, at that point, that's that's when Galileo was around with the telescopes. Galileo made all kinds of bitching telescopes and saw Jupiter and the rings of Saturn and, and discovered the you know four of the largest moons that go around Jupiter, which now I think has like seventy four moons that we've discovered. They just Holy discovered shit. like sixteen more moons not that long ago. So he's got a big big dude, loads of moons. He's got all the bitches. But uh, but yeah, but the the Pope told Galileo, you need to stop talking about Copernicus. Can the Copernican theory? I don't, I'm sure it has some sort of name like that. But anyway, you need to stop talking about the shit Copernicus was talking about. And he didn't do it. And they threw his ass in. Well, they didn't throw him in jail, but they put him on house arrest because he was all old and infirmed. Infirm. But uh, yeah, so he, he kind of took the licking for Copernicus. That was a nice guy. Yeah. That's funny because Galileo is also somebody who I would have put at a much earlier date. Well, yeah, and he, was, he came after Copernicus. Yeah, I don't know shit about shit. He was Italian, though. Uh, Galileo Galilei. Yeah, well. Alliterative names. A little uh, factoid in there. So you were talking about uh, when Copernicus did things. 
He probably did not do anything uh, before he graduated from the University of Bologna in 1500. It's probably Bologna, but or Bologna. My college Bologna. has a first name. It's O S C A R. My college has a second name. It's M E Y M A. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, no, not a huge Oscar Mayer fan. I don't. Uh, I haven't seen the Wienermobile in a long time. Oh man, you remember when that thing came to our elementary school? Or was yeah. that before you were there? Were you there for that? I think it was. Was fifth it fifth grade? grade? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got the weenie whistles. Actually, it came also one time earlier than that. Yeah, because when you were there, it was parked in the front. Yeah. And then there was one time when it was parked like back in like the the little kid back. area. Yeah. Weird. Like it like it went up the uh, the left side. Like if you're facing the school, that left side there, like by the daycare center. Well, I mean, we could do a whole episode on the Wienermobile, but we're talking about space. So. Well, I think it's I think it's relevant <laughs> and important. They should make a Wiener rocket ship. <laughs> they really should. They're already basically shaped like that. It's just, you know, Apollo 37 sponsored by Oscar Mayer. Yeah, slap a big old logo on the side of that thing and there you go. So do you recall any, like like, like your first impressions from childhood? Like, do you have any early thoughts from space or not even childhood because i think that's unfair because mine's not going to be childhood oh uh, yeah yeah i do so like i mean I, I was always kind of interested in space it's like that big uh cool thing in the sky at night um but i didn't really take a, a huge interest into it until probably until i was in my early teens like i remember watching cosmo you know the reruns of carl sagan's cosmos on pbs when i was a kid and, and thinking like oh that's really cool but i didn't really it was all way over my head still. Yeah. Like he was pretty good at talking down, but not not quite down to like a six year old level. But I do remember when the first time that I just really became, like, I guess, fell in love with the night sky was uh, I was on a backpacking trip in Yosemite in the middle of winter. It was like a snow camping trip, and we went out to Dewey Point, and it was super cold. I mean, it was probably that night. It was probably negative ten. Holy shit. So yeah, it was cold. It was super clear, just absolutely clear night uh, in Yosemite where it gets really dark. There was a meteor shower going on and uh, Hale-Bopp, the comet Hale-Bopp was flying through the sky. You could probably figure out what year that was. It was mid-90s maybe. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but uh, I remember we went out, uh, Dewey Point's like a, it's up on the top above the valley and it looks, you know, there's the cliff essentially into the valley. It's like a two to three thousand foot drop oh damn and we went out on to the edge and you know you just set out on the rocks and look down it's just wide open sky and just i mean just sitting there and i'd never seen that many i've not seen that many stars since then either i mean that's like a pretty rare occasion where it's you know there's it was new moon too there was no moon it was pitch black hail bop was in the sky there was a, like a meteor shower of some variety going on or maybe it was just that we could see a shit ton of shooting stars because it was so fucking dark and stuff falls into the sky all the time. Yeah. Just usually it's too dim to see. Yeah, we have, we have too much light pollution. Yeah, but it was just, it, I mean, the it was like salt and pepper. You could see the big arm of the Milky Way stretching mm -hmm. all the way across the sky. Uh, I mean, it was absolutely mind-boggling, and it really, it made an impression on me like uh, nothing else has since. You know, that's really interesting. I never, I never thought about that. Like, I'm going uh, a backpacking trip up to paradise lake like 12 miles into desolation They're like yeah that was absolutely the most stars i've ever seen was, oh yeah yeah you get out away from the city and it's just it's amazing like even out here like you can see a little bit more in mm -hmm. the city but uh yeah if, if you spend most of your life in cities and not way out away from everybody and it's hard to get way out away from everybody these days yeah like i saw this thing 
I can't remember what it was. They were talking about like unspoiled wilderness in America. And there is no place in America. There's no like actual location in America that's any closer or any further than 19 miles from some sort of road. Damn. Which, must be must be getting difficult for Bigfoot. Yeah, no shit, right? I'm surprised we don't hit more of them. But uh, And I mean, that might have been the continental U.S. because Alaska's huge and there's not a lot of roads in Alaska. So that didn't seem, it seemed kind of odd to me there, but because they said the most secluded place in America, possibly continental U.S., is, uh, was in Washington. And there was like a little uh, grove of trees or something that this guy leads tours into where you have to be super quiet because it's like the, so supposedly one of the quietest places in the country. They do like hippie. And you don't want to scare Bigfoot? Yeah, they do like hippie meditation stuff there, you know, because it's all quiet and peaceful. Yeah, pants off, dance off. Quiet. Quiet. Pants, pants off, off, dance pants off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it includes Alaska because Alaska is fucking enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Alaska is uh, the, the biggest of the states, right? Just not the contiguous states. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, like, uh, yeah. If you look up like a picture of Alaska superimposed over the United States, I mean, it looks like it's 30% of the size of the continental U.S. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. It's a big place and not a lot of roads. Yeah. Well, so what, what about you, John? Do you got, uh, the thing about space, like, like, you know, there, there's so many things that we grew up with that we possibly take for granted. So, you know, our, our childhood was inundated with things from space or things set in space. Like you had Star Wars, Star Trek, um, you had 2001, we both had Hitchhiker's Guide, Alien, Starship Troopers, Apollo 13, you know, the, the right stuff if you wanted to be more, uh, more realistic. Well, and then all the, all the stuff from like the fifties that we, you know, we caught on syndication or a run mm-hmm. you know lost in space and the jetsons and oh, i didn't uh, even think about the jetsons flash gordon yeah yeah absolutely but the thing that that really stands out for me um you know the time that i really started to take notice of it um it was about six years ago so this uh-huh. really is not a childhood yeah, uh, thing a for me pretty fresh topic for you yeah yeah but you know it was it was kind of a, an important part in my life i feel like um, in fact, you were there uh, when I got really sick after that New Year's. I broke out in hives all over oh, my yeah. body. Yeah. You guys were in town for that weekend. And um, after a few days, we got it under control. I managed to get myself to the bookstore because I, I needed to get out. I was going stir crazy. And that was where I discovered, because we had to talk about him, <laughs> Ray Bradbury. Yep. And I found the Illustrated Man. And, you know, that that thing blew my brain a little bit. And then at the exact same time... I also discovered the artwork of, of this, uh, this comic book artist named Wally Wood, who uh, was known for doing a lot of space stories. You know, the old EC comics. He, he did weird science tales, you know, just, just lots of space stories. He was also a, one of the original artists on Mad Magazine. He did a bunch of stuff on early Daredevil. But Oh, was this like the, the early pulp comic kind of stuff? Yeah, it was in the 50s. Oh, rad. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so good. Holy crap. So that that was a turning point for me, too, where it got me using brushes to do my inking. And he did these intricate spaceship interiors. Like, his his shading was amazing. And, you know, years down the road, I or I guess it wasn't years down the road, but upon searching out his stuff, he, he actually illustrated a couple of Ray Bradbury stories, um, coincidentally. But, you know, he did uh, he did a lot of, like, the, the bubble-helmeted space suit designs so it sort of developed in me kind of a 50s science fiction sensibility about my art and what could exist you know i didn't know the science behind space 
But through reading Ray Bradbury's stuff and looking at Wally Wood's stuff, I developed a 50s science fiction sensibility about it, you know, about how things could exist out there and how if you had a ship and a suit, you could be out there interacting with alien species or floating around in, a, in space. There was a bit of wonder. And at that point in time, I was battling some of my own inner demons and and I sort of found peace like zoning out to some music and and drawing explorers in space you know I, I, yeah I remember when you were going when you started that phase yeah some, yeah yeah it's I like that stuff it was really cool lots of deep black backgrounds and speckled with stars and yeah. like your old business card oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I got a copy of that with you flo- with like you in a spacesuit floating through space it's pretty rad yeah yeah I, I really miss that stuff and for some reason it's I've, I've tried to go back to it a few times and it just doesn't hit me the same you know I was in such a such a different place at the time you know where I could where I could really zone out oh hey look at that yeah yeah I looked him up that is some pretty good stuff he's got the like yeah, the big glass helmets and you go out to space with a big helmet and tights yeah, yeah, tights with little <laughs> with little pouches on them, and you know, a little breathing apparatus right at the bottom of the helmet. You know, with a couple tubes coming out, you're good. Yeah, they must have some really cool materials in the future that is probably his future, which is probably our past. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the distant future of 1987. <laughs> it's always either 1994 or like 19xx. Yeah, yeah, we totally blew it. We did not accomplish the things we were supposed to accomplish oh, by the we, year 2000. That wasn't us. Oh, you're right. Yeah, our parents hey, fucking blew yeah. it. Yeah, hey, mom and dad, you blew it. Yeah, my older siblings suck. They should have gotten me there. I would have done it for them. Yeah, the reason I haven't invented something amazing to do with space travel is because I was jaded and upset at their failure. Mm-hmm. So, John, if you could, on to one-word reviews, if you could review space in a single word... Hold on. No, no, no. You no? need to restart. I'm not going to be able to edit that. Because <laughs> then, then it would, uh, yeah, it would just be like, so, John, on to one word reviews. You just cut the so, John part out. No, but then it's just under what, it, I don't know. It, it, All right. So, uh, yeah, I think we are going to have to like theme our segments because we, we can't, at this point, we can't just naturally segue like we're, like it's not a plan. We can occasionally. Yes. But we can't rely on that being a thing. Yeah, like once once we've stopped and we're both sitting here thinking, okay, we need to go on to the next segment. Unless we just go, so what's your one word review? <clears throat> so what's your so what's your one word review? What's your one word review? All right, one word review. What's yours? Space, what is it? I kind of cheated a little bit. It's technically one word, but it's got a hyphen. Well, maybe it doesn't have a hyphen. Anyway, it's breathtaking. No, I don't think that has a hyphen. Is that a, is the hyphenate breathtaking, yeah. or is that a single word? That's that's a single word. Yeah. Definitely f- two full words combined into one single word. Yeah, I'll allow it. German style over here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, breathtaking, because uh, from the first time that I kind of really noticed space in its entirety, like it's just everything about it is amazing and like shockingly hard to grasp, I guess. You know, you see some of the the Hubble photos. Um, some of them are false color to kind of let you see what it kind of looks like. So it wouldn't look like that if you actually saw it, but it would if you could see x-rays. But uh, even the visible light Hubble stuff, I mean, some of the shots from space are just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, just amazing views of nebula and like the crab nebula and galaxies. And it's just beautiful. My, my daughter's 
current favorite color, if I ask her what her favorite color is, is galaxy. That's not a color. It's not a color. It's like a pattern or something. Like she just like like if, like we're like what color do you want to paint your walls? Galaxy. Well, like what, so you want to get like a mural of the galaxy on your wall or something? Yes. Okay. And are you letting her get away with that, or are you perpetuating the problem? Well, if she can save up enough money to buy a mural, I'll put it on her wall for her. There we go. Yeah. Get a job, ten year old. I'm not gonna. I mean, I can paint like walls, but I don't think I can paint a decent mural of space. So, hey, you've got a friend who's an artist that isn't very useful to you very often. I, I can give it a try. You want to put some free labor in? Yeah, I can get some sponges and some, uh, yeah, I could get creative yeah. with that. If it doesn't come out good, fuck her. Yeah. It's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, she's fucking 10. Who's she <laughs> to say that she <laughs> exactly. knows what, better gonna, than me what a galaxy looks like? Are you going to do better? Yeah. No. She'd love it. Any case, yeah, it's just everything, This like the, the size of space, the distance of things. Like earlier, like one, 1. 1.8 billion light years. Like I have a an idea of what that means. Like I understand that that means that's the distance light travels over 1.8 billion years. Like I, I get the concept, but it's mm-hmm. such a staggering distance that it's difficult to even imagine what that means. And that's, that's like just the biggest empty part of space. Like space itself is so much fucking bigger than that. And we can't even see it all. So uh, it, it's just, it's the whole thing is like, see, it just took my breath away. I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it really just, it's so mind bogglingly awesome that it's just, it really kind of leaves Take me dumbfounded. <laughs> Well, I I think I fully, fully agree with you on that, but I think mine is a little less kind. Um, While I don't disagree with how beautiful it is, uh, I see it more as overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Like, like, you know, your your 1.86 billion light years there, like, that's too big. Like, how do you put it in a box of understanding like what's what's the history of space like how do you even present things you know as facts because you know people a hundred years ago thought they knew what space was you know thousands of years ago like they thought they knew what space was they thought earth was the center of the of the universe and that everything revolved around that people thought the earth was flat People um, still think the Earth is flat. Oh my goodness, that's a that's a whole can of worms. There, we should get one of those on the show for space part two. Um, you know, people thought the moon was all sorts of like people think the moon isn't real. Probably those same people. You know, the things like like black holes and supernovas and dying stars and planetoids. Just like <laughs> that was my brain. Um, it, it's, it's too much. I would love to float around in space and just sort of take it all in, but to try to understand space is mind boggling in a less beautiful way. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. It is definitely overwhelming. I mean, I like space and I like watch like YouTube videos and other things where people like talk about people that know a lot more than me, say stuff about space to dumb people like me. And, uh, even that's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, just like like oh wow, there's it's just so much that I don't know. Well, you know, and and there's so much that we don't know. Like in general, like the space science is uh, just filled with shit, like big, big things that we don't know about. Yeah, and the best thing you can do is make hypotheses and assertions that nobody can prove wrong right now. So it's like, all right, so this is currently fact. 
Yeah, well, this is our best guess, like, you know, dark energy and dark matter. Basically, they ran a bunch of numbers and said, well, it appears that something else is out there. We're going to call that dark matter. People can't actually see you looking around and, and doing that, but they can hear your voice go away from the microphone. Well, I'm trying to impart the effect <laughs> of looking around. All right. Imagine Ben is looking back and forth as if a scientist is looking for facts. That's how they do it, right? Yeah. They just look around. Yeah. They, they look back them. and forth and they're all, you know what? Maybe. You know, I bet that's what Copernicus was doing. He was looking up and just looking back and forth. And he's like, wait a minute. Something doesn't, something's not adding up. Here. Yeah. 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 Space is overwhelming. It's also... My honorable mention for one word review would be deadly because outside of Earth, all of space is actively trying to kill you. Yeah. It's I mean, a hostile, it, hostile place. Well, even worse, it doesn't even need to try. Yeah, it's just, it's just very existent. It is death. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you need to like try really hard not to die there. And even then, yeah, you're probably going to die. You, you will not exist in space. Stay on Earth if you want to be reasonably okay. On the bright side, if you die in space and you're just floating around, you will physically exist for a really, really, really long time. Yeah, no kidding. Until you run into something. Yeah, you won't be there to enjoy it, but you, you'll, you'll be around for a long time. Yeah, maybe 1.86 billion light years. But yeah, you probably could, couldn't you? Because there'd be no degradation. I mean, un- unless you pass close to stars yeah i mean yeah you there would be you know there'd be radiation and stuff that would affect you but i mean it would you know especially if you went into like real deep space where you weren't super close to anything yeah you'd just be a frozen lump of molecules or just a frozen thing floating through space until you hit something or something hit you or you got too close to a you know a star or something with it could cause some damage it definitely lasts longer than you would sitting around on earth <laughs> yeah now what if ben you had the opportunity to go into outer space. Yes. Yes? Oh, yeah. Totally do it. Do you think you could? Like all the tests that, that astronauts have to go through, the endurance? Oh, no. God, no. They would. They, they, I would flunk out of Astronaut Academy for sure. I'm way too out of shape. But if I had a legit opportunity to go to space, I would put in the time and effort to at least try and get past that. See, I'm, I'm waiting for SpaceX to really get their shit together and uh, where you could just pay them to take you to space. And I don't think they really... Like, as long as you're not in such poor health that you're going to die. Yeah, you mid- won't have a heart attack while yeah, you're mid-trip, just from going. Then you can get back. Because I don't think I would be, I'm not that out of shape, but you have to do like a lot of stuff for NASA to send you into space. Now, is SpaceX the Virgin? No, that's one? It's Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Okay. Yeah, he just recently announced that uh, there's a Japanese dude who owns a clothing company and he's a billionaire. Never heard of the clothing company. Like they showed like the logo and the name and meant nothing to me. Uh, I guess I guess he started out as like a, like skate clothes kind of thing, okay. like skateboarding. But he is paying a undisclosed huge amount of money to be the first passenger on a trip around the moon. Oh shit! Yeah, and he's doing it as like a like an art project. So he's, he he announced he's taking either seven or eight artists with him, and like the the idea is they come up, they go they go out, they go around the moon, they come back, and then they create art based on the trip. So the pressure's on to really kill your daughter's mural. Oh yeah. If I want yeah. in on that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not an artist of it uh, at all, so I'm probably not on his radar. You may have a, an opportunity there. I think he's going to pick the artists over the next couple of years, so you better really start cracking. This may piss you off, but I don't know if I'd want to go. That doesn't surprise me. 
<laughs> it's like the I mean, first trip on on a uh, rocket that's never actually flown around the moon to go around the moon. Yeah, it's not without danger. That's for sure. Yeah, I imagine I wouldn't be surprised if he has a number of people that he calls up and says, "Hey, you want to go to the moon?" And they're like, yeah, "Maybe next time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody said, "Hey, jump on this rocket ship. I want to take you into space," and then back down. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It would, it, you know, it would seem to me it would be more akin to grasping, you know, taking an airplane up extra high, and you get to see space, and you get to, you know, experience zero G's for for a second. Yeah. Um, I I would absolutely do that, no problem. If somebody said, "Hey, we're going to take a week to go around the moon and back," I I don't think I don't think I could do that. I think I'd go stir crazy. You know what? If they said hey, we're going to take you and your buddy, uh, that might actually work. Like if if you and I were going up there and we're like, hey, this would be a pretty good podcast. It'd be an awesome podcast. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think we could get a couple <laughs> sponsors for that. If wants to bankroll that podcast, let me know. Yeah, Japanese skater clothing guy, we love your stuff and we're big fans. I'll cut out the, the part where you say you don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, the, the rocket he's sending them up on is pretty rad. It's going to be bigger than the Atlas V, which was the one that took uh, everyone else to the moon, essentially. Okay. It's freaking, it's huge. I think he said it's like 500 meters tall or something, which is very large. And then it's got like a shuttle thing attached to the top of it that can, you know, re-enter and do all that stuff on its own. Mm-hmm. And uh, supposedly it, it should be able to hold up to 100 seats, like 100 people. Oh, damn. Yeah. But, but they're just going to take it up with a skeleton crew the first time? Yeah, they're going to take it up with um, super extra provisions and stuff. So like just in case like something yeah. goes wrong and they're stuck around the moon for a month, they've got what they need to not die. Yes. Which is sensible. Uh, but the rocket itself is called the BFR. and the, the big fucking rocket? That is exactly what it stands for. Awesome. Yeah. And and, uh, and the ship or the shuttle or I guess it's the it's BFS but for big fucking ship and uh, he, he he said he's they're talking about maybe changing the name because that was kind of like their working name like it was a big fucking rocket yeah big friendly rocket yeah but uh, in any case it is uh, fucking cool oh that was the other thing I was gonna tell you about it how it lands it doesn't land like the space shuttle it's not like an airplane it lands like badass rockets from TV shows in the fifties where it comes in and then goes up like this and lands vertical. So it, it kind of comes in sideways, uses the air against it to mm-hmm. slow down and then it tips itself straight up and lands vertical. Like, like all the pictures of rocket ships from the fifties. You know, I don't know if I trust that. Like, I think that may be one of the scariest parts about this whole operation. Oh, that would be terrifying. Yeah. Like I feel like, like the chances that that would not land straight and fall over and explode or crush, uh, are, too high well that's right now the rockets that he's sending up as part of like the falcon heavy and all that where he's getting ready to send out you know he's about to be sending astronauts to the space station for nasa like oh, they're cool. contracting through spacex to do that and the main stage of those rockets lands it lands on a barge they have a barge out in the ocean and it just comes in and it lands like that and so like you can see videos of it happening and it looks rad oh no shit there's also a shit ton of videos of it failing horrifically and exploding because when they were testing it that happens you know, you're testing a new technology. So but, is it all, is it all remote controlled? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, you can see, you should check those out. They got videos of spent rockets landing on barges out in the ocean and it, it's pretty fucking cool looking. <laughs> it's neat. So kind of on that note, I kind of had a, uh, a hypothetical for you. Yeah. Yeah. So say space travel became a little bit more safe. 
and uh, they set up permanent colonies on either the moon or Mars, and we're like, hey, we're looking for colonists. We'll, you know, we'll set you up with uh, a thousand Martian acres or whatever. You know, they were offering like incentives, you know, come up here and you can be a colonist on Mars. Would you go? Do I get to ask questions? Of course. Okay. So uh, I'll try to answer first, just initial knee-jerk reaction, no. But after some questions, I could be convinced. Um, how many people are going up? Let's, let's uh, kind of my thought on this when I was thinking about it was, uh, you know, like a permanent colony has been established and they're looking for to grow said colony. So, you know, they've got a lot of the kinks worked out. You know, the first bunch of people probably died. And then they're like, oh, okay, we figured out how to make people not die as much. And so they're maybe looking for 10,000 people. Okay. Are there domes or have they created an atmosphere on Mars? There's probably going to be domes. Terraforming Mars is a, is a lot of work that probably doesn't make sense. It's not just some big-ass fans like on Total Recall? Like what that looked like? Well, no, like to make a sustainable atmosphere there, you need to jumpstart the planet's magnetic field to keep it from just blowing away again. And that's difficult. It is right now. Who knows? In uh, in a uh, hundred years or 200 years. Um, so what the hell? Say they did terraform Mars. Like, yeah, you could just go outside and like Mars is livable now. We'll say it's early terraform. So like it it is livable on Mars, but like they need you to go out and they're going to give you a thousand Martian acres. And part of that is that you need to like make it not dirt anymore. Man, like I, I feel like kind of an asshole and I'm sure a lot of people will think I am for this, but I don't want to go be a farmer on Mars. You want to be a Mars far- Martian no. farmer? No, like <laughs> a thousand acres means nothing to me. It means a lot of work. If they said, hey, we need artists and, and creative people to go to Mars, um, we're going to set you up with a slick salary and a nice place to live that you don't have to tend to a thousand acres, that would be more enticing. You know, it would suck leaving all my friends, so that would probably keep me here. Just just talk them into going too. Yeah, if, if, I mean, yeah. if my friends are going, then it, it, it would be pretty easy. You know, I'd be like, all right, what's Earth done for me lately? Well, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that you would probably never see anybody on Earth in person ever again because you're not trips between the two. I mean, I guess you could, but like it's going to be a you know month long trip to get there and back. It's not going to be. That's not so bad. Now, if they said, hey, do you want to go help establish um, the growing colonies on Mars for five years? I, I think that would be even more enticing. Because it'd be super cool. And then maybe at the, at the end of that, I would have the option of coming back or not. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think that would be real neat. If I could talk my wife into it, I would do it. Yeah, I would definitely have to be able to bring my loved ones with she me. She would be the hard sell. Like she, she would be hard to get her to... I don't think she'd want to do that. Why not? She doesn't... I don't think she likes space that much. Well, she only has to be in space for a month, and then she gets to be on Mars. She likes travel. You guys went to Europe together. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'll just tell her that we're taking a fun family vacation. It's a surprise. Yeah, I mean, how many continents have you guys been to? Con- full continents? I think just two. Oh, really? Europe and North America. I haven't I haven't ventured into South America. Oh, just Central America. Yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. quite count. No. Well shit, that pokes a hole in that one. Well, I guess technically I went on the other side of the Danube River in Budapest. That may be no, I don't think that's Asia. I think you gotta go all the way to Turkey to get into Asia. So yeah, no. Just well, two. You guys have been to the good continents. So Yeah. Sorry to our intercontinental listeners that aren't in America or Europe. Oh, that's why I told her I'm not going, I don't want to go back to Europe anytime soon. I, I, I want to go to Asia before then. 
There's yeah. a lot of shit I haven't seen. Yeah, you've done Europe a few times. I haven't times. seen anything in Asia, and I've seen enough of Europe. I don't need to go back there. It must be nice. It is nice. Yeah. yeah it's great. Maybe one day you can say, nah, I don't want to go to the moon. I've been, I've been there yeah. too many times. I'd <laughs> rather go to Mars. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, could, be, it could be a really cool idea. I, I would love I would love to see Mars. Yes. Depending on the level of commitment that would really factor in heavily as to whether or not I went. What about you? Yeah, I would I would want to go. Yeah, you Oh yeah, you already said that. Yeah, if it was if it, your wife. if it was one way, I'd be a bit more reticent. Yeah, if it's like a limited engagement, but uh Yeah, but you're also, stoked on 5 acres, so Also depends know. on how old I am. Like if I'm in my 70s, yeah, fuck yeah, whatever. I'll go yeah. die on Mars. Yeah, why not? Okay. You could be you could be the first of your lineage to die on Mars. Yeah. What were you saying? Like Elon Musk had a, didn't he have a quote? It was like, a, oh yeah. What was that uh, quote? He said, uh, okay, let's see. Yeah. Elon Musk said, I would like to die on Mars, just not on impact. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's a uh, interesting dude. I don't really know much about him. He's uh he, he seems like he's kind of one of those semi awkward genius guys, you know, where he doesn't, like, his head never turns off and he kind of. Oh, I know says, how that goes. Says and does things that are kind of weird sometimes but he's he's a super smart billionaire of course he's gonna do some weird shit sometimes if i was a billionaire and super smart i would also do weird shit sometimes like he made that flamethrower just like yeah it. yeah yeah and there was uh there was that show he was on recently where he oh he was i think he was on with uh with joe rogan on joe rogan's podcast and, yeah and smoked a bunch of pot he, he took a he took one hit like oh, really? it was super overblown oh yeah, like if you actually watch it, like they're talking about all kinds of stuff. It's like a two and a half hour interview. I've heard Joe Rogan's interviews are really great. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard a few of them. They're good. And But I, I watched that one. I think it's a two hour, maybe two and a half hour long interview. And essentially how that came up, there's a bowl of joints sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. And Joe, Joe Rogan asks him, you know, oh, so you like to smoke pot? And he says, no, I don't like to smoke pot. He doesn't really like the way it makes him feel. And he asks him, well, would you want to try? And he says, okay. And he takes a puff. They take a couple nice pictures of it to post all over the interwebs. Yeah. And uh, he says he didn't really like it. That was it. What? He wasn't like postulating like weird stoner brilliant things? Oh, no. He was He was saying some, I mean, he, he, he kind of, like I said, he's kind of weird all the time. But yeah, no, he, like, it's not like the headlines of Elon Musk smokes pot. Like yeah, Elon Musk took a hit of pot and didn't really like it was, was the, by, the was what should have been the byline. Man, I mean, the other one's more entertaining, and it's oh, it got not, way, got way not, more clicks. Yeah, it's not any less accurate. Yeah, yeah exactly. He did smoke pot. Yeah, like their share prices and stuff went down. I was like, really? Oh, are you kidding me? No. Oh yeah, of course not. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's bullshit. He's also getting sued by the uh, Federal Trade Commission because he tweeted out that he was thinking about taking the company public for four hundred and twenty dollars a share, and uh, I guess he's not. And so a bunch of people made like lost a shit ton of money, like the people that were shorting it because the stock went up real high and then it went back down. And so they're suing him and trying to get him like removed from the board of Tesla and removed from being able to serve on the board of any public company ever. I mean, he said, I th- I'm i thinking about it. I mean, I guess that wasn't technically untrue. He did think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 100% accurate. I would love for him to go into court with that as his defense. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that would really absolve him of whatever thing might have been illegal, but I don't I don't pretend to understand securities law. But yeah, he said I was I'm thinking about taking the company private for $420 a share. And clearly he was cuz he wrote it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should take a quick little breather, get a little commercial break here. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back, folks. 
too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but your aching head and stomach hear this message from old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Ah, those Speedy Alka-Seltzer bubbles burst into action to relieve your upset stomach and aching head fast. It was only as directed. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. Welcome back. So, uh... We really need to work on our transitions. <laughs> I was going to take it this time. I was like, oh, don't do it to him. And then you just, you just went right with it. That was, was great. just quiet for too long. I was like, oh. uh, welcome back. Um, not cutting that. Oh, come on. Now you have your motivation to, to do a good job on editing so you can have this, uh, this episode and get rid of that. Otherwise, you must live with your shame. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to figure out a decent way to okay so let me try this welcome back space plays a, a pretty big role in, in pop culture that we haven't really covered yet most of our stuff here has been very space and science driven and stuff so what, what would you what is your favorite example of space in, in pop culture I don't know I'm having a real hard time with this you know, there are a few things vying for the spot. Um, honorable mentions real quick. Um, Ray Bradbury stories. Um, particularly one, like this one may have taken the spot, but it's not exactly about space fully. You know, as a uh, shit. As a shit, it's a, no. Um, Technically, everything's kind of about space. Yeah, it's like God. It's, where, it's literally where everything exists. Yeah. Um, well, there was a story in the Illustrated Man called The Rocket, where this guy who owns a junkyard would love to take a trip into space with his family. You know, go see Mars or Venus or Jupiter, but they can only afford one ticket. So they agonize over who to send up, and they realize they can't do it. So instead, what he does is he buys a decommissioned rocket and then retrofits it with movie screens and shit and tells his family we're going to take a trip into space his wife's in on it but then he basically creates this illusion for his children that they are going into space when they don't actually and it's it's a very beautiful little story yeah so should that be it that's totally about space that's your favorite uh, yeah yeah, if that's your favorite space story yeah absolutely that's space is all over that yeah that it's it's a gorgeous little short story otherwise hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy I know, I know you're a big fan. You won't fight me on that. No, I will not. That is a solid choice. Yeah. If, uh, if you haven't read it, go read it. It's a story of Arthur Dent um, getting, I mean, I wouldn't say abducted. They, they, uh, him and his buddy Ford Prefect, who's an alien from somewhere in the vicinity of Beetlejuice, get off of Earth right before it gets, uh, gets demolished to create a hyperspace bypass. Should I have said spoiler? I think that's literally the first like it's, chapter or two yeah. of the first book. I don't think you're spoiling anything for anybody. Okay. I remember it being that's kind the, of exciting. I think that's the premise. Okay. Yeah, it probably says that on the back of the, the yeah. book. So yeah. that should be all right. And um, hilarity ensues over, what, like five books. Go read it. It's great. We would need... In fact, I was going to say we would need an entire episode, but we probably will have an oh, entire episode. We should totally episode do an entire episode. Like, like, I'll go reread them all. It's a good excuse to reread them all. Yes. It's been few years at least yeah 
Yeah, it's been probably several that's for me. probably been closer to a decade. It's been a while since I read that. Yeah. And then one last honorable mention, because it was, you know, what, what's your favorite group of things in pop culture, um, is Interstellar. I, really? I don't, I don't like the movie much. Okay. Uh, I don't like the, uh, I don't like the reveal. Oh yeah, I hate the real. I, I, I hate the I, end of that movie. You know, because it seemed it seemed like a story that, for someone who's steeped in science fiction and uh, comic books and stuff like that, like you kind of see it coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. am I being pretentious by saying that? Am I, I am I kind of an asshole? No, I don't think so. I kind of felt the same way, especially with how they seem to try really hard to kind of make it semi-realistic, at least to like really kind of adhere to use some or at least use some physics concepts in it instead of just ig- completely ignoring how the universe actually works until they get to the end and then they just throw it all out the window for a, what sounded like a neat gimmick yeah well see the big reveal at the end was something that i that i saw coming from the very beginning but what i did like was what i don't think you do like because you are more of the science side of it where i i liked that they tried to use physics in a in a way that you know they they try to do something different where it's not just people going into space like they they actually tried to show some of the consequences and some of the results of actual science even if it's not you know like if neil degrasse tyson was there he'd have all sorts of problems with it yeah well, and, I, and i think in general they did a pretty good job of adhering to most of that except in, until they get to the end and when you fly into a black hole you go into a weird library and then you see yourself and you oh, okay. like, drop sand on shit and okay because just a second ago i thought i thought you were you were saying that they didn't do a good job so i, I misinterpreted what well, you were saying no, i think yeah for some of the stuff up up into that they did and they uh dealing with time dilation mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that was kind of neat and I, and I thought that robot they had was really cool yeah yeah that at was first, a cool at concept for a robot super stupid to me and i was like what the hell's going but it, it really grows on you the way well, it and, and it has so many different functions as the weird like rolly yeah. walkie thing and no it was uh it was a pretty good movie it, it, i didn't like the end though so kind of yeah and it was really long. when you leave with a bad taste in your mouth and you kind of like it kind of soils the rest of the yeah i've been wanting to watch it again you know? but I, I don't think it's streaming anywhere right now at least not that i know of but i would like to go back and watch it again give it another chance to sum it up i liked that they that they tried to go a little more hard science with it i appreciated that what about you so mine, I also kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a cop-out, but uh, like, you know, you said, well, I'm not really sure mine has to do with space. Yes. Well, mine's not solidly in the pop culture. I mean, it is. I think it's absolutely part of popular culture. Uh, mine is the moon landing. Oh, hello. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's definitely one of the cooler things that man has done that has to do with space thus far. And yeah, it was an absolute pop culture phenomenon when it happened. I mean, it changed. I don't know if it changed the world, but it definitely modified the way people looked at the world. Yeah. And I mean, it impacted the world. Yes, it was. It was like huge world news. I mean, I, I don't think it was like one of those things like September 11th, except cool. where like most people that were alive then remember where they were when the moon landing happened. I can't wait to get a review where somebody where somebody's bashing us and they use that as a quote. <laughs> this guy actually said it was like September 11th, but cool. <laughs> well, I mean, I justified it afterwards, but I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, like in the in the 60s, they got the moon landing, and we got stuck with September 11th. Yeah, like I wanted the Mars landing, and instead, I got some jerks who flew planes into a couple of buildings and killed a bunch of people. 
like a bunch of assholes. That's that's what our parents left us with. We gave their parents gave them the moon landing, and they gave us terrorism. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah. So, so uh, but uh, oh, I guess I can expound upon that a little bit more. But I mean, it was we went to the moon. Like that's definitely cooler than any movie I could think of. And we went to the moon, uh, you know, a couple times. And we and it's a shame that we haven't been back. Honorable mention for something that is actually more traditionally pop culture-y would probably be uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. I love that series. TNG. Yeah, absolutely love The Next Generation. How do you feel about the original or, or the Deep Space Nine or the Voyager? Uh, the, the original Star Trek was, was good, but it didn't, I don't, I don't think it really, it didn't hit me the same way. I mean, it was necessary for it to exist in order to get to what, next generation was yeah like the first x-men or spider-man movies yeah gave us spider-man 2 and x2 correct i think next generation did everything better Mm -hmm. and patrick stewart's awesome yeah he's gonna be playing picard again i saw that yeah that's pretty wild um well going back to the moon landing how certain are you that we did that i'm fairly certain like i mean i wasn't there i haven't been there to to prove it but we like Without a huge amount of effort, I could prove it to myself because they left reflectors on the moon that you can shine lasers at and get a signal back from. Oh, no shit? Yeah, for accurately de- measuring the distance from the Earth to the moon. And uh, since the moon has a... Its orbit's kind of locked, so we're always looking at the same side of the moon. It's tidally locked. Uh, it's convenient, so you don't have to worry about it rotating around and the reflectors not being in the same spot anymore. Uh, but So yeah, if you could locate them... You could shoot a laser at him and it would reflect back and you could detect the signal you sent coming back at you. So that that would prove it to me. I haven't done that, though. Have, you, have you seen any? Like, do people do that outside yeah. of NASA? Yeah, you can Yeah, you can do it. Okay. That's the thing that can be done. Um, also, I don't have a lot of faith in the federal government in general, and uh, I just don't think they're competent enough to pull that con off. Well, some reports say that they had the, uh, the help of Stanley Kubrick. Well, that that would help. I, yeah. I get it. But also for the same reason that I don't think there's aliens at Area 51 because just the government's not that good at doing stuff that they would be able to keep something like that under wraps for this long. I, I just don't think they're that competent. What do you think about 9-11? Well, I saw that happen. So I well, not, not that whether it happened do or not. Do you think George Bush did it? Well, do you think there was some... Uh, there's it. some... some uh, some shady business in that? No, there may be shenanigans. I mean, See, I'm somebody who loves a conspiracy theory. I, 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 oh. won't, I won't go around, you know, claiming that George Bush made 9-11 happen. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, it doesn't I, have to. I saw the way it imploded just like that at a casino in Las Vegas. Well, you know, buildings don't fall like that. As if I've seen every I've way seen a building a, can fall. I've seen a lot of buildings fall in yeah. my day. But I, I think it's fun to think about. I love thinking about, you know, what if there are aliens in, uh, in Area 51? Oh, it would be awesome. The, the idea of the moon landing being faked to me seems like, like if you look to the why and the motivation behind it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely there. Like, yeah, it, it almost seems more plausible to me that it was faked. I, I really wish I knew that this segment was going to come because I would have dug up a lot more, a lot more research, but no. And then there's, there's all those theories about, um, 
symbology in the shining that stanley kubrick was like leaving clues to you know as like a confession that he had been involved in the moon landing like danny's got a an apollo 11 uh sweater and ah shit that's all i can remember from it i mean he could have just wrote down an actual confession if he was really interested in doing that and just like yeah and then been murdered as fuck and you could leave it with your lawyer to be released to the public after you die i mean there are there are ways of getting your story out there other than dropping weird subtle clues in your movies. Well, he was also a really weird dude with all the symbology with the, I mean, there's, there's also stories that that, that, that was all about. Uh, it was an allegory for native Americans and the, the rape and pillaging of their land. Yeah. See, I just don't look into movies that deeply. I kind of just enjoy them on the surface for the most part. But I, I would think too, that if the moon landings were faked, that one of the astronauts, that is supposedly went there would come out eventually and be like, yeah, we fucking got you guys. Because even if they wanted to do it as a lie, if they wrote a book called, I didn't actually walk on the moon, you're a bunch of suckers by Neil Armstrong or something. Uh, RIP. Oh yeah. Well, of course you'd have to publish it posthumously, <laughs> but if not, you'd, you'd still make a ton of money. That thing would be a bestseller, even if it was all bullshit. So, so I think we've established moon landing happened. Aliens probably aren't at Roswell. I think you've established that you believe that. <laughs> I mean, at least you're not getting militant like one of our friends who, oh my goodness, if you even bring up the possibility, you know, ju- just the what if, man, he gets angry about it. He does not like the fact that you would besmirch the uh, the Apollo 11 mission. Um, man, I don't know. See, I, I just really like what ifs. So, yeah, would you give more credence to that, to the moon landing being fake, than you would the Earth being flat? Like, like does one of those, because they seem about as ridiculous. Oh, no. To me. No, not at all. Well, you've never seen the Earth from space. How do you know the Earth? You've never, you haven't been around it. There is more, there is more evidence to the contrary. I think, I think the, the flat Earth theory is probably more akin to aliens living on Earth. Like uh, for something like a moon landing video to be faked, you know, it would be so much easier. There is a huge motivation behind it. And then once they've done it once, they certainly just can't go, oh, well, nope, we're, we're never going back again, even though they've kind of done that, but they were able to justify it over time. I don't know. I I, should go back to the moon on that note. I was just reading uh, NASA for its 60th anniversary wants to do another mission to the moon and a mission to Mars. I just read a headline, so don't ask me what was in there. Uh, I agree they should. We should be working towards getting more stuff in space. Yeah, like a big garbage ball. It should be a goal of humanity to become a transplanetary species where, you know, go out and live on some other planet. Yeah. Still here. I mean, stay here. This is a good home base. Yeah, but it would be super cool if we found another Earth out there. Well, they've found a bunch of, I mean, exoplanets have gone nuts. I looked it up earlier. They are just under 3,000 exoplanets have been discovered. Holy shit. And uh, they've got about 2,000 more that where they think there's that many more exoplanets, but they haven't been able to confirm them yet. And right now there are 55 of them that are potentially habitable. Well, let's fucking go. The closest one being Proxima Centauri B. So our, our closest stellar neighbor has a potentially habitable planet around it. Where's it at? Proxima Centauri, it's four light years away. That's not that far. No, it's not terrible. If you could go half the speed of light, it'll only take eight years to get there. Yeah, get on it, Elon Musk. 
one of my friends in Houston was, uh, he didn't necessarily believe it, but he really liked to entertain the idea of, you know, how life got to earth. He, he thought it was completely improbable that life evolved here and that it was much more likely that it was deposited here in some early primordial form. A la Prometheus? From, from somewhere else. Maybe with less intelligent design, potentially. Like maybe Mars had life and an asteroid hit there and it bounced over and landed on us. Or even now, we're not that super, like we can't travel the galaxy. No. Which is stupid. We should be able to travel the galaxy. But we definitely could load up a satellite with a bunch of bacteria and DNA and stuff and shoot it at Proxima Centauri B. And it would get there within, you know, a thousand years. We wouldn't know about it, but if all systems were a go, it could get there, land, and, you know, potentially populate that uh, place with life if it didn't have it already, or, like, really fuck things up if it did. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, Proxima Centauri and that, that planet that's in there did exactly that. Yeah. You know, could have. thousands of years ago. Yeah, or I, I, I like to think about, like, what if our, that's our first contact with aliens you know, Proxima Centauri B, thousand years ago, sent out a probe like, hey, look, it looks like that's habitable. We should send some DNA there. And then some, at some point, some craft just comes and lands in the ocean. And then all of a sudden, turbo space disease or who knows what comes out of it. But it would totally be ecosystem upsetting, whatever the hell it was. Unless it just got like eaten by all the fish and then it was done. Yeah, well, we're good. It was like it was like a mercury spill or something. It was just like, ah, <laughs> eh, fish are poison for a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for uh, one of those things that you hate so much. Yay. Ranking yeah. list. Yeah, it's a ranking list. So I'm going to do one because well, you got, hate them. I got a surprise for you, too. What's that? I got one also. You son of a bitch. <laughs> How about, oh, geez. Do you want to lead it then? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm throwing you off here. Yeah. Uh, sure. So I, uh, when I was going through space in my mind, I was kind of making a list of all the interesting things and uh, realized that I had what was looking an awful lot like a top five list. So I figured I'd throw you a curveball and uh, create one. All right. Um, so, I guess it's, so it's John loves ranking lists. So Ben makes one. <laughs> John prepared a ranking list and so fuck him. Ben's going to do his. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I put together a list of uh, my favorite space mysteries oh hello yeah it unfortunately it's not agatha christie in space which i'm sure is what you're hoping it is no just some of the the like we were talking about earlier space is so bizarre and un mis not misunderstood but ununderstood is that a word what, what would the right word there be i don't know would it just be derstood so you're not doing your double negative yeah yeah derstood <laughs> space is so derstood Fred Dursted. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, the, I got my favorite space mysteries. Uh, the first one on the list is dark matter. And I alluded to this earlier that basically when you run all the numbers and the calculations for all of the mass that should exist in the earth, uh, it comes up about 23% short and they don't have any idea why. And so the idea is there is dark matter out there, which is some sort of matter that we cannot observe, but seems to exist due to its effect on gravitation. Ghosts. Space ghosts. Heavy space ghosts. From coast to coast. So yeah, they don't have any idea what it is or where it is, or they have some idea of where it is. They, there's certain areas where they say there's a lot of dark matter here and less of it there. But it is kind of just a stand-in for we don't know why this doesn't work, which is so that's a 
It's just an intriguing one. I figure out what that is, whether it's actually something there that's massive or if it's something potentially outside of the observable universe that is instead of screwing up the uh, computations, because we can't see everything. We can only see as far as light has been able to travel since the Big Bang occurred, mm-hmm. which I think is something like 13 billion years. Something like that. So I think like 13 billion light years or so from us is about as far as we can see. So anything beyond that Sounds right. Is invisible. And there's almost certainly stuff out of there because it's really unlikely that Earth is the center of the universe, but it is definitely the center of the observable universe. Number two is uh, good old aliens. Can I touch on it? Like, are they there? Are they not there? Maybe. I bet they're there. I bet there's some variety of life somewhere. The universe is too vast for it not to be there. Now, whether or not it is exists presently or will exist before way before way after us unfortunately the likelihood of intelligent life occurring close enough and at the same time period in such a large area is also very low like it's almost certain that it exists and it's also nearly certain that it won't bump into each other yeah because everything's so big uh but here's hoping so yeah. we need to start hopping around the galaxy and we'll find it yeah i think i, I think i'd be all right with that so I got to say, I'd rather be the one that finds, not personally, but as, as humanity, I'd rather humanity be the one that finds life somewhere else than it find us here. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like there's a species of space-faring galaxy hopping aliens out there that they can go from wherever they live to where we live. Those guys got their shit together. Yeah. And, and if they want to kick our ass, they're going to kick our ass. This isn't going to be some Independence Day thing where something comes in and we figure out how to it's just going to fucking wreck us. Yeah. We'd be saying welcome to earth uh, with humility. Yeah. Welcome to your new home. Yeah. Please let us stay. Welcome to earth. <laughs> Love you. Uh, next is uh, the eventual heat death of the universe where, uh, you it know, sounds ominous. Yeah, it is ominous. Everything is just going to be cold, spread out lameness eventually. When's that going to happen? Like next week? No, like a really long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I think it's something like 8 billion years. Oh, yeah. Fuck them. At least, yeah. It's a, it's a long, might be even longer than that, like 80 billion years maybe. It's a long fucking time in any case. Oh, okay. But the observations show that the universe is continuing to accelerate in its expansion. Mm-hmm. Like things are getting further away faster. When it, You know, eventually, it, or the conventional idea before that was it's going to expand and kind of slow down and then it'll all get to equilibrium and then it'll collapse back in on itself. But something is causing it to move, continue to accelerate even 13 or whatever billion years after the Big Bang. Wait, you, wait, wait, wait. You mean scientists hypothesis? Hypothesis. Uh, <laughs> you mean scientists hypotheses about something like the expansion of the universe is not exactly 100% accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Never will be. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's where dark energy comes into it because dark energy is uh, the name they gave to the extra energy in the universe. That's causing it to accelerate because they also don't know what that is. Uh, and that, that makes up about 73, 73% of the energy in the universe. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like most of what's going on, we got no fucking idea what it is. Like, what the fuck is this? They're like, yeah, just throw it in the dark energy category. It was, yeah, it's why is this happening? Like math says it's doing that. You know, it's like an algebra. You've got to, you got to, you know. 
No, I don't know. You, I'm you, terrible at math. You, Algebra you, you, you was have a variable, the of, and you don't know what it is, and you got to figure out what it is, and uh, they haven't figured that one out yet. Uh, next, we got black holes, and what hap- You know, what are they doing in there? What, what is going on, and why is nothing coming back out? Well, because they're all getting stuck in libraries. Without, with the exception of Hawking radiation, which comes out, which is even more problematic. Like they figured out there is energy radiating, Hawking's radiation coming out. But it the fact that that's coming out implies that quantum information is being destroyed because it comes out with, you know, has no information about what went in, comes out. And uh, that is a really big problem because you're not supposed to be able to do that. Again, I mean... Uh, not knowing the the science behind this, you know, enough to to be shocked by anything. Like I, I'm I'm just I'm not shocked by anything. They're like, wait, this no, is how no, much no. we don't know. Yeah, this is not supposed to be possible. It's like who says? And you know, let me go meet the guy, and I'll look at him and and say, well, of course you don't fucking know what you're talking about. Like we, none of us do. Well, yeah, that's the the thing is you. How much you don't you when you know how much you don't know, or you don't know how much you don't know, even like when you're aware that you don't know as much as you don't know. Yeah, like we we're talking about space. Like there's 23 percent of matter that we don't know what it is. There's 73 percent of the energy where we don't know what it is, and technically, like baryonic matter, like normal matter, like we're used to protons, neutrons, and such. We're missing a bunch of that too. Like if you total up everything that you know is there. It, there's still a bunch of that that's missing, like half of it that's missing. But they think it's just kind of spread out in space and you can't see it. But then even even to that, like <laughs> somebody's saying, oh, 73% of matter, you know, is unknown. It's like, where do you get that percentage? Well, that's from the math. Like, yeah. like, like yeah, they have that, the equations that, to say. That math that is totally unequivocally correct. Well, exactly. Yeah. So either something's fundamentally wrong with it or yeah. it is, there's something we don't understand or both. Yeah. Probably most of that math, you know, plays out like it works. Like if you say, okay, if we use this, this thing should happen and you can look and go, yep, that thing happens. They just don't know. They don't have all the inputs unless they say, if we make the matter this much, everything, all the equations work, but we don't have that much matter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then lastly, uh, why the fuck haven't we gone to Mars yet? That's a huge mystery to me. I mean, I know there's geopolitical reasons and whatnot, but we really, it's... Yeah, I it's, mean, all said and done, is it fully possible? Yeah, absolutely. They just need to fund it. And like, like so they, they have the technology to where a human body could go there and not freeze and be able to, you know, collect some samples and come back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had the technology in the 60s. I mean, you, you could have modified the Apollo program to go to move on to Mars and you would need a big, little bit of a bigger payload. You could set up a moon base where you could launch from the moon and it would be way cheaper and easier than launching from earth. And you could shuttle all kinds of materials and shit to the moon because it takes almost, it doesn't take hardly anything to get out of the moon's gravitational pull. Hmm. Maybe it's because we haven't actually been to the moon. Maybe. So maybe it's not possible. Now, the to 60s, go to Mars. There, there was probably some radiation things that would have caused some, problems that they didn't quite get but uh might have had long-term health effects <laughs> but you know fuck them but yeah. yes we could go given enough money they could definitely go to mars well you heard him elon musk this episode is 100 percent for you and neil degrasse tyson oh yeah 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 take me to mars elon i could say please now well not now
get your shit together and then take me there. Yeah. Do it successfully <laughs> once and yeah. then take Yeah, I don't, I don't want to die on impact either. All right. Well, Ben, you're a resourceful man. You know how to do things. You know how to create things. Could you make a space suit? Could you make a suit that would allow you to survive in space? I, yeah, if I had the funds and access to materials, I bet I could. I'd, I'd like to put a monkey in it first. Why a monkey? Because I don't want to die, and murdering somebody else might be problematic. I mean, in space. Like, I'd put it on here on Earth. Yeah. Test it out underwater. Why not a rabbit or a hamster or a guinea pig? Those things are stupid. Well, monkeys aren't that smart. I mean, I want something that has like four, you know, like proper humanoid limbs and make it as much like a human spacesuit as possible. Okay. With like arms and legs. And, you know, if they go up there and I fucked up on the gloves and their fingers freeze off, then I know, okay, got to fix that. Yeah, true. I guess that would would be hard to do with a a guinea pig. Yeah, their arms aren't quite long enough. But yeah, I mean, you got to have something that'll... That'll be able to keep you pressurized while keeping the vacuum out, be able to shield you against radiation, be able to uh, keep you nice and warm and or cool, depending on, you know, just isolate heat enti- you know, as, as much as possible. And uh, then a visor where you're not just going to get completely, your eyeballs aren't going to get fried from UV radiation. Oh, jeez. Like giant blue blockers. Fucking screen. There's so much that goes into that that I have no idea about. Wait, because when you're in space, like say you're in space and you're facing the sun. As one does. Yeah. Well, the front, uh, like the front half, the half of you that's facing the sun will be hundreds of degrees and the side that's not will be hundreds of degrees less. Really? It's that, it's that harsh? Oh yeah. Mistress? Oh yeah. Well, because there's no, there's not any appreciable air there's nothing there. yeah there's nothing uh so heat hits spreading you. the heat yeah yeah it, yeah the, nothing around you gets warm so you just you're directly heated on one side by the sun and on the other side there is nothing heating you and there's nothing carrying that heat around to the back yeah that's why like when the when they have like in movies when the you know the shot like if you're on the moon and the you know the shadow's coming and they're like oh shit that's really cold we need to get away from that because it's like instantly Super cold. Like the, the rocks and stuff will hold a little bit of heat for a while, mm-hmm. but not a lot. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I'm going to have an all new appreciation for that scenario. Yeah, because they've done that in movies where people are like, oh, we need to get away from the shadow. Yeah, it's coming. Familiar. It's going to be really cold. But like, um, but if you're in a spacesuit, too, like the side of you that's not facing the sun is already that cold. So, like, you know, it you're not should, that bad off. it should be able to handle it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, given uh, some, you know, being able to look shit up and learn some things that I don't know. But, yeah, I, I bet most people could build a spacesuit. The information's out there. I, like, I don't think it'd be that, it, I don't think it'd be that difficult. No, a rocket. I, I have a feeling I, I, would, I, would have, I would have a reasonable amount of difficulty with it. But that's just me. I'd call you up. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, we could make one. Yeah. I'll draw. I'll draw a slick picture of Superman or a or a bubble helmeted spa- helmeted space dude to go on a patch on on the arm. That was me. Yeah. So Elon Musk, you build a rocket ship to take me to space, and I'll build my own spacesuit. See how it works. Yeah. And I'll I'll do the artist thing, Japanese skate clothes guy. Yeah. You can. Uh, yeah. Bitch and patch. Yeah. Make the suit look cool. Yeah, absolutely. Because my, my suit would be purely functional. It would look like garbage. 
Yeah, it probably would actually look it like look trash ter- bags and, look, and zip yeah. ties. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll I'll design one. I'll I, you know, you saw that Wally Wood stuff. I've got I've got some good ideas there. I've drawn I've drawn a couple comics that take place in space. I've done a couple spacesuits in my time. The spacesuit tights would be difficult. Like you've seen NASA spacesuits, they're not exactly form fitting. No, they're not. But hey, I saw interstellar spacesuits and those those are getting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like the actual spacesuits have like a full air conditioning system in them. Oh man, they need to like put a, those in the bat suits for the actors. Yeah, like an air conditioning system and a dehumidifier and all kinds of stuff. So that it, like so that the visor doesn't a urinary fog filtration up. system. I don't think you're allowed to. I think you wear a diaper. Is what happens if you're in there. Like if you got to pee when you're in the spacesuit, you you've got a diaper for that. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we're uh, I think we're at some final thoughts. My final thoughts on space are, I like space. I want to go to space. I like I'm, space. Yeah. I want to go to <laughs> space. space. Yeah. It's cool. It, it's horrifying that, or disappointing. It's disappointing that for all of our fervor and high-minded dreams of space travel in the 50s and 60s that uh, it just kind of died out. Like we got to the moon and we're like, all right, cool. Space conquered. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it might be that that these dreams that people had back then, you know, I, I think the, the fervor for space, you know, that, that was there at the inception of like, you know, going to the moon, going into outer space, people writing about going to other planets and that, how, how it was going to happen in, you know, 1987. I think, I mean, maybe this is just a, a spur of the moment hypothesis. Maybe that as time went on and people saw that progress wasn't going to happen as fast as science fiction said it was, that maybe some people lost a little steam for it. And they're like, oh, this takes lots of time, lots of money, and moon landing, cool, fantastic, but uh, maybe it was a bit too much to grasp. Like, we're not actually going to get to Proxima Centauri, to that other planet. So... Not let's worry attitude. about let's worry about it here. I know. I hey, I I I love to dream, but I could see how people coming out of that amount of wonder, you know, like Ray Bradbury wrote about Mars as if it was just a bunch of humans just hanging out, living there, you know, having barbecues and shit. Um well, and we don't have we don't have a competitor really anymore. Like, you know, the Cold War was was definitely some good fuel on the fire that we had to beat the Ruskies to the to the moon. Yeah, cause cause they are, they cause, beat us into space, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they beat us into us into space and uh they had the first satellite. Like up until the Apollo program, they were winning the space race. Some awfully big motivation to make sure America had footage of somebody on the moon. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean there was there was competition, there was pride, there was all kinds of stuff caught up in it that I think just kind of died off. Yeah. The other problem with a lot of the stuff that was going on in space, like it was cool, but it didn't really mean anything to most people. Like, I mean, it was still fully out of reach, which is why I'm excited about SpaceX. Like, that's what I, re- I really like them to be able, if they can bring, or Virgin Galactic, either one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, whatever Boeing. happened to uh, Richard Branson's venture? I haven't heard much about it, but Boeing's trying real hard to get people to Mars as well. Oh, shit, to Mars, huh? Yeah. Oh, nice. And the CEO of Boeing said that like, he is going, that Boeing is going to be the first company to put people on Mars. Oh, shit. So he's, Make it happen, yeah. Stephen F. Boeing. Yeah, he's throwing some, uh, we're getting some competition now. It doesn't need to be between two countries that hate each other and want to blow each other up. It can just be two companies who want to make a bunch of money. America. Fuck yeah. 
Yeah, capitalism gets you to Mars. Yeah, and so I'm excited about that because they're both, and both of those ventures are looking towards passenger flights to space. Like their idea isn't just like, hey, let's go to the moon because we can, and that's cool. It's, hey, you want to go to the moon? Let's go. And uh, I think that's rad. And like, uh, you know, Elon Musk, again, with, uh, with what he did with Tesla, like his whole, pl- the model for Tesla was make a ridiculously expensive supercar, an elect- you know, ridiculously expensive electric supercar and sell it to rich people so that you can make enough money to buy one that's slightly less expensive that you could sell it to slightly less rich people mm-hmm. until you get all the way down to you, you have a consumer grade electric car, which is what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. And uh, though they have production issues and they haven't been able to ship as many as there is demand for, I mean, he's essentially gotten there. Like once he gets once they get once it's more readily available, he'll have done it. But uh, if he could do the same thing for space, I will sign up and I will go. Yeah, I would absolutely take a flight into space. Yeah, like it, I will save up for retirement. I will gladly die three years early. If, uh, cause I run out of money, if I can spend like 30,000 bucks to go to the moon <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just take that out of my retirement fund and be like, all right, I guess I got to die a little bit earlier now. Well, yeah, we already established that your kids don't need to go to college. So not if I can go to the moon. Yeah. Their college funds are now moon funds. Yeah. Moon funds. That's a good idea. I'm going to yeah. cha- change the label on my bank accounts here <laughs> from kids college fund to daddy's moon fund. Yeah, let's start a GoFundMe and a Kickstarter. I don't know. My my final thoughts on space, man, it's big. I hope there's something out there, but I have no idea. And, you know, and it's 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 kind of a really malleable uh, topic because if you're feeling like childlike and full of wonder, like you can look into space and just let your imagination run wild. And then if you're just, if you're feeling small and you're feeling kind of down, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm the smallest thing in this giant tapestry. Um, so space. And cold, dark space doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Space. Yeah, one day all the atoms will be evenly dispersed and there won't be, won't be anything left. Not only to remember you, but anything else that you've loved or cared about. Yeah. So on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for boldly going with us on this journey tonight. If you want to let us know what you think of us, you can hit us up at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at geeksplorationpodcast, Twitter at geeksplorepod. If you like the podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out. Also, you can subscribe at geeksplorationpodcast.com. Get notified when new episodes drop. The opening theme was Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. We'd like to give a shout-out to our first subscriber on geeksplorationpodcast.com, Kenoki1500. Thank you very much for subscribing. I hope you're still enjoying the show since you subscribed a while ago, but... Wasn't that long ago because we totally record quickly and on a regular schedule. Well, there may not. There may be a bit of a delay. <laughs> and Kenoki, since you were our first subscriber, um, hit us up on our website on our uh, email at Geek Exploration Podcast. Let us know if you uh, if you have any favorite characters or if you are a D and D player because we we don't know if you came from uh, 
from a different podcast that Ben was a guest host on, I'll, I'll whip up an extra special little drawing for you. And I have no discernible talents that would be of any use to you, so I will enjoy John's drawing. Until next time. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs>